gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and you are in for a treat today. If you like Rice Krispies, if you like dump cakes, I think that's a thing we'll talk about. Uh, If you like just overall goodness, then this is the episode for you. But before we get too far into it, shout out to our sponsor, Charlie Hustle, doing amazing things they just dropped a really cool line, uh, Black Lives Matter line. I myself am wearing my, uh, you can't see this if you're not on YouTube, but Real Heroes Wear Scrubs. That's a shout out to uh, the nurses and all of our medical staff doing the damn thing right now. CharlieHustle.com to learn more. Guys, every now and again, and gals, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> uh, every now and again, you'll meet somebody that takes you from wherever you are wherever that is, and immediately makes you in a better place, immediately lifts you up, immediately takes you to some place that, that either takes you from good to great or takes you from really crappy to someplace potentially awesome. And that individual for me is on our podcast today, Ms. Lauren Langfitt. What's good, sister? Hello. Hello, I'm good. Thank you. you. I know you're good. Are you good? I'm uh, I am. I'm good now. Um, can I just say like, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Can I say that? Yes. Yes. Like a sister. All right. Yes. Lilas is what we used to say in grade school. Lilas? You sign like a note to your friend, Lilas, love you like a sister. (laughs) Side note, Lauren is Melissa, my, my wife, uh, her best friend. Um, I, I don't know that you know that. Like the cat's out of the bag now. Oh my God, (laughs) Melissa, I need to text her. Oh my God, Melissa. So before we, before we uh, really get into all of the fun, uh, what do you do for fun is a question that we ask all of our guests on the Fundamism podcast. What do you do, sister? Well, are we talking like real life or Lauren team? Because this is during (laughs) the Lauren team. Things are different for fun now. I mean, I try to keep it the same. Uh, always hanging with the friends. We're very lucky. Yep, always hanging with the friends. Eight, eight, we're very, yeah. we're very, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're very lucky in our this bubble we share that the the wives and the husbands and the kids are all friends. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty special. It so is- I would say priority is hanging with friends. Laurentine. Yeah. You, have you trademarked that? I think I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag Laurentine. <laughs> you it involves a lot that. of boxed wine and then silts or beers. <laughs> <laughs> prior to, prior to Laurentine, what did you do for fun? How did you keep your mind right? Well, uh, same thing. I mean, any opportunity for social events, Booze. love, love traveling. <laughs> uh, just, any chance, any, anything I can do to have a good time. And I think it's usually mostly social related. For sure. I'm an extrovert, if you couldn't tell. Yes. And when, uh, when I say I love this gal, uh, and then she says like a sister, she literally, I look at her like the, she's my older sister. Uh, and <laughs> very much my older sister. I like a day. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, uh, my wife, uh, my wife, has long called uh, you the female version of me and likewise. Um, yes. So years ago, we're in Portland, Oregon. We both hail from Kansas and uh, we're kind of miserable. Like the weather in Portland sucks. 
Uh, we miss all of our family and friends. The Royals and the Chiefs weren't there. So we're ready to move back. And Melissa comes out all by herself to, uh, to do a little house hunting trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, she found like three or four uh, neighborhoods, one of which the C-Dub, <laughs> the C-Dubs, as we call it in the streets. So, is and that right? C-Dub. I don't know. It's, I think, well, this is a W, but don't C-dub. do that. C-Dub, not yeah. C-Dub. Okay, fair enough. Oops, and uh, one of the things that drew us to this particular neighborhood were just the tall trees, the beautiful surroundings, uh, an awesome uh, play area, community pool. We knew nothing of the individuals, but we got a house and we were pretty stoked that it was right down the street from my mother. Uh, Beep, for those of you that don't know her, mm-hmm. Beep Beep. Because she honks the horn every time she comes in the driveway and the kids run out excitedly. So fast forward a couple months later, we meet uh, this adorable couple. (laughs) And I I say a couple months, I'm pretty sure it was probably more than a year after we had moved in that uh, really had a similar spirit to us. And specifically, you... Uh, don't get enough credit for this, but you are literally the creator and facilitator of fun in Colony Woods. Is that a title that you've always had? I mean, like not just Colony Woods, but like, have you always been the fun creator slash facilitator? Um, I would think yes. Uh, my first job out of college was basically to be a professional spring break planner. So I was going around the country recruiting college kids to sell spring breaks for me. And then we would go to Acapulco and I would Wait, you're not joking. This is a real job? Oh, yes. (laughs) It was the perfect job right out of college when you're like, what am I supposed to do with an art degree? (laughs) I work in a bar and I have an art degree, a bachelor's of fine art. Yes. And I love Mexico. Here we go. I'll go tell this company that I'll work for them for free because it's such a fun company. So it was commission based? Oh yeah. I think I got like six ninety-five per trip sold, six dollars and ninety-five cents per trip sold. <laughs> so my commission at the end of one year, one season was like one thousand dollars and it was amazing. But you got a trip to Acapulco. I did. I would go to, I would go down there for six weeks Whoa. in the winter. Mm-hmm. Now when you were there though, did you were you facilitating the fun or were you like, mm-hmm. could you indulge and cut up too? Oh, yes. So um, I was basically a camp counselor for spring breakers is what I would call it. Okay. And we would get there. Uh, I actually got to hire my friends to be the staff. So I hired the most fun people I could find and, you know, made our cute little like baby doll tees with the little logo on here and, you know, representing the company. And we would pick the kids up at the airport these college kids. And then we'd bring them back. We'd give them like one intro meeting with the owner and we'd say, here's the rules. Don't be an idiot. And then every night we would go to a different club. And so me and my staff would stand there letting people into the club every night and counting people and checking outfits and checking wristbands and stuff. And then at second, that 2 a.m. hit, it was like, we're off the clock. And then we would go and party every night until the clubs closed at five in the morning. I love and then that. I- <laughs> Oh, I like you reference them as kids uh, mm-hmm. when you're fresh out of Students. college. And they're oh, yeah. College. yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those, like, I did that till I was 25. And I was like, man, it was just like Matthew McConaughey said, like, I keep getting older, but they stay the same age. And I was like, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, I heard that. Lover. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get out of here. This isn't reality. That was a Matthew McConaughey Days to Confuse reference followed by a Lethal Weapon reference. 
<laughs> Guys, do you understand who we're talking to right now? Like, this has the potential to be the most fun and humorous uh, podcast of all time. I mean, I'm just podcast gonna, gold. Yeah, podcast, podcast gold. gold. Mm-hmm. So long before you uh, take on this job as a spring break party planner, uh, there we have a mutual connection. You did not go to Pembroke Hill. You went to Bishop Miege. Go Stags. Yes, that's where mm-hmm. my mama mm-hmm. went. Holla oh, beep. beep 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 beep. Uh, so, but you fraternized. You hung out with a lot of the Pembroke Hill folk. Um, and back in the day, this is like when you, when you were going to school, this is when Pembroke Hill was like the ish. I mean, they were known for basketball yeah. and Jerron and Kareem and the mm-hmm. squad. And coincidentally, Kareem Rush came on the podcast and I learned that we have a mutual friend in Miss Lauren Langfit. That entire episode was about your mutual friendship with me. I recall. <laughs> I recall all the memories Kareem had. <laughs> This is actually Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Langfit part two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the Lauren teen podcast. You didn't know. All right, so you, you go from Bishop Miege to uh, college to major in fine arts. Uh, mm-hmm. Where did you go to college? University of Minnesota, Twin Cities, go Gophers. Holla. Why did you go up there? Um, when I was looking for colleges, I said, where am I going to go to college. And I remember talking to my sister's boyfriend at the time. And he said, go somewhere where you're on vacation all year round. And I thought, he's like, where do you love to go? Go to Minnesota, go to California. And I was like, I love Minnesota. Cause I used to go to summer camp in Minnesota every year. So I was like, called up my dad who actually lives in Minnesota. And I was like, dad, is there a college there? And he said, uh, yeah, kind of a big one. And I was like, let's check it out. So I went up there, toured, fell in love. And don't you know, I stayed for 15 years and I'm a golden gopher and made some of the best friends in the world up north there. So, you know. (laughs) So, so I noticed you didn't say Acapulco, like you like to travel to Acapulco, but that you didn't, Mm. you didn't indulge in their education system. No, because I learned about Acapulco from Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> Acapulco is a, a destination for Minnesotans. It just seemed to be, I'd never even heard of Acapulco until I got to Minnesota. So, and then the rest is history. Well, one of the things that we uh, share in common amongst many other things is that you are very much a creative. Uh, you, you are a producer and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, but this creative spirit that you had, obviously you've had for a long, long time as evidenced by the fact that you majored in fine arts, where did this love for creativity and and creation come from? Um, I think it's always come from, I love making videos. Anytime I had to do a project. (laughs) Pineapple, white Uh, rock. (laughs) Keep that in the seat, Deb. Um, the... I'm trying to think. I used to make videos any chance I had, any, any opportunity I had. And a friend of mine, some friends and I would make videos, music videos, with a little camcorder with the tape. We would take headphones and put them on the speaker and hit play on our Walkman and then lip sync what we think we could hear loud enough and then hit pause on both the recorder and the Walkman and then go to the next scene. I mean, I was editing on the fly. So I would make a video for a math project for a music class, um, anything that I could had a project do, I would make a video. And so it's, it's just kind of interesting. Like that's where my passion's always been. 
is to you know that the older stuff. that we get, the worse our memory gets. But um, are there any music videos that you could recall putting together that you were super mm-hmm. proud of? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. My first ever was November Rain. Of course it was. By Guns N' Roses. <laughs> and there was one scene where, you know, when it gets real sad and right before that, like, yes. the, the music really picks up at the and end. And you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was some scene where we're like having a pillow fight on the bed. And then it was like, there was only one person left standing there. Like the other person had died or something. So yeah. it got really deep. And then we, we showed like a skateboard rolling down the driveway with like a flame on it. I don't, I don't know. That was, I think, seventh grade. Hey, that was a good one. speaking of Guns N' Roses and not related at all, what do you think of my mustache? I think it's time to go. Oh, I shaved what? mine this morning and I was hoping you shaved yours too. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I was going to be on camera. I was like, well, hopefully he'll be doing this too. No, I want everybody to understand that this is how we, we do it. We go hard. So yeah. I appreciate you shaving today. Thank you. I think um, we all do. I'm, I'm just not about that life yet. I'm growing into my 39s. Yes. Like day Which by last day. Last year, last year in the 30s, you're going to yeah. just own it. This for is what sure. 39-year-olds do. It's kind of a rite yeah. of passage. You have a mustache for three weeks <laughs> and you wax it off. It has I, to be waxed off. I feel like I just got a deadline, like three, <laughs> a three-week deadline. Is that what, yeah. what is it, what's the over-under of the CW? Is it three weeks? I'll check it in at three weeks and okay. I'll send over some of that paraffin wax and you just rip it off. So you graduate from the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about majoring in fine arts because that's something that I never done. Um, well, yes. uh, I'll just say that on ladies night, my senior year, we would go to Sally's every Wednesday. And during finals week, all my roommates were like studying, writing term papers. And I just had to do a painting. And I was like, bye guys, head to ladies night. <laughs> and some of my roommates would get so mad. And they're like, God, one just has to like make a sunset. And I have to write a 12 page paper about children. And I was like, well, bye. <laughs> Side note, was, yeah. didn't you, didn't you, um, didn't you and the ladies, including Melissa, go and do like a painting uh, date night for women? Like you guys, paint, uh, Melissa came home with some birds in a forest or something. That was her other best friends. Oh, but I've done one of those one time. I did one of those for my oh, sister-in-law. <laughs> I painted an elephant. Of course you did. Maybe Melissa and I can share our paintings over some wine someday. Yeah, night. you could actually have the one that she did. Yeah, I know. Really uh, my husband keeps throwing mine like in a closet. And I'm like, that was in my, that was in my daughter's room. He's like, okay, we're going to just put that away. Speaking of your daughter's room, is that a, is that an easy bake oven back there? What's going on? That is my, our kids' Ikea kitchen. Mm -hmm. And the art behind me was, is Quentin's, my husband's. It's really cool. Did he make it? Mm -hmm. What? Out of paint chip samples. Guys, I got to move on because we have so much to talk about, including the topic that she just presented, her hubby making stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you graduate with a fine arts degree, then what, like, what was the desired outcome? What were you like? Obviously I know that you did the Acapulco thing, but in your mind, like with this mm-hmm. degree, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? I think I always knew I loved advertising and graphic design and I don't think graphic design was a thing until, or I didn't know it was a thing until I was a sophomore or junior in college. And I was like, well, great. What am I going to do now? And so I uh, decided to do the fine art degree and tried to get a little bit of electronic art in there and then just 
needed to graduate. And so after that, I did the spring break thing, but something was still missing. Like I wanted to be creating. So I offered to learn or to create the like meal coupons and thing. Coop, coop, we call them coupons, coupons, coupons and tampons. But this is about the coupons. About in Minnesota, it's coupons. I, I wanted to make the coupons. And so I started making those. And then I thought, gosh, I could probably teach myself graphic design, right? So I bought a big old Mac G5 and the, the software and everything. And I was like, I'm going to teach myself this. And it was real funny, real, real good stuff there. And, um, and then I decided after that, I was done with the spring break world and I was going to move to Chicago to pursue my dreams as a graphic designer. Mm. So I went to Chicago and no, I didn't have the skill set. I don't think I ended I up at this point. Yeah. Anymore. So then I ended up going back to school to get an associate's degree in design. Okay. And so from there I learned it was a two year program. I already had my bachelor's, had all that stuff under my belt. So I was like, okay, cool. This will teach me all the programs. So from there, then I started doing graphic design. And then I moved back to Minnesota and I was a graphic designer for seven, eight years. Mm. Yeah. So then the reason why I'm asking these questions, I rarely have an agenda. When we come on the Fundamentalism Podcast, you said, mm-hmm. what can I expect? And I'm like, you could expect to have a good time, sister. That's exactly how I said it, too. Yeah, what am I, I going to expect? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many people that tell me, uh, you, you're lucky, Paul, that you have a job doing what you truly love, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, people feel as though their job doesn't necessarily play to their strengths or, you know, it takes the energy out of them or whatever it may be. And so you... I've always been a creative uh, from the moment that you've been creating these music videos, uh, i.e. November rain uh, through all of your years and training yourself uh, in graphic design. And now uh, your career has culminated uh, into a producer for an ad agency, which I'd love to talk more about. It really seems like you're an individual and this is just an outsider's perspective that thoroughly enjoys what you do for work and you don't necessarily have a, this is the work me and this is the home me right. type right. personality. 100%. So and, how did you, go ahead. Well, I was saying Quentin always says that he comes up with the ideas and then I, I produce them, like in our social life and our family life, everything. And he's, his quote is, I lay it out for you to play it out. So I heard that. Like, that's kind of like our, our wedding vows. Yes. Really. That's what we're based that's, on. That's, how, that's all it was. Yeah. I lay it out and play it out. Yeah. I mean, I set up that whole wedding, everything. <laughs> Melissa did ours too. She got all of our stuff on Craigslist and then she sold it all on Craigslist. I think we may have turned oh, a profit on our wedding. That's good. But, we eloped. So I bought everything at H&M. Yeah. Within 24 hours of being engaged. What? Yep. Yeah. That's a fun thing in our lives. Yes. Yeah. How did, what? You didn't know I, this? No. I don't know this. So just so you guys know, again, energy begets energy, right? And the universe reveals whatever the hell you want to see. So Quentin and Lauren live uh, exactly two houses away from ours. So like we cross through the neighbor's grass, their backyard to get to Lauren and Quentin's house. Our children, our daughters uh, are the same age. Our sons are the same age. And they all play together magnificently, depending on the day. Uh, but nevertheless, we're consistently hanging out with one another. Uh, we are both married of nine years. 
Is that right? Yes. I think we'll be 10 next year. Yeah. Yes. So like everything in our lives runs parallel and uh, the music love that I have is so similar to Quentin. Quentin is like the more reserved, like logical version of me, (laughs) but you and I are, uh, yeah. So Melissa and Quentin are similar and you and I are similar. So tell us about, first of all, tell us about this elopement. I think it's called elopinal. Is yeah. it a, it's a, a lumptuous. Elopschmidt. Elopschmidt. So how did you land on that decision? Well, um, Otto, Otto, who's Otto? That's my Never. son. I'm just looking at him out there riding his car <laughs> in the street. Preview, preview. Uh, <laughs> um, we, Quentin was turning 30. And so we planned a trip for his birthday to Arizona. We ended up going to, on the night he was going to turn 30. So the last day of his 29th year. And we were, we went to Bisbee, Arizona and he had brought a ring and I didn't know about this. And at midnight he turned 30, he proposed and I was like, what? And he's like, oh yeah. And do you want to, what if we go to Vegas? We're so close. And I was like, I mean, maybe cause his parents eloped. So the next day we were talking about it and we were like, let's just do it. So we thought, okay, let's do it. So I looked up on TripAdvisor, wedding at chapels, the, like the best four star place I could find. And we found the Graceland Chapel had a 1030 slot on February 3rd. So his birthday was February 2nd. We, I had this whole day planned, but now we're newly engaged and I'm trying to plan a wedding. And so then we, uh, February 3rd, I planned the slot. We drove, we like sped, you know, 80 miles an hour to get to Vegas, pulled into town, got the license. I bought a um, sterling silver ring at the Bonanza gift shop. Bonanza! Sale from 40 to 20. And then, oh, and I got my dress at H&M. He got a suit at H&M and then set our vows. Oh, and I, we called our moms. I'm trying to give you like the quick version of this. this. But anyway, called our moms up and I was like, oh, mom, by the way, I took your advice. I'm in Vegas. We're getting married in like an hour. And she was like, oh, my God. Because my mom always said, don't spend money on a big wedding. Just elope. And I was like, well, you told me this. And then his mom, he called his mom. He's like, mom, the wedding, the, the engagement's off. And she just instantly goes, you're in Vegas. Because she knew that's what she did. So we got married the next day. We didn't tell anybody. And then we got, except for our family. And then, oh, and right before I walked down the aisle, I was like, I should probably call my dad. Yes, maybe before Elvis walks me down the aisle. So I called my dad and I was like, oh, by the way, I'm, we're now getting married. We're in Vegas. And he was like all out of sorts because it was, you know, midnight where he lives. And he's like, what's your last name going to be? And I'm like, Langfit. He's like, okay, I love you. And that was it. And so then I go get married. And then, um, wait, had he not met him? They had met once. Yeah. Because my dad lives in, my dad lived in Colorado. Okay. And they had met. He just was so tired. He didn't know anything was going on. So then, um, we get home then that Saturday and I had already planned a big birthday party you know, fun times for, to celebrate Quentin's 30th. And it was Minnesota. There's snow like up to my head and I'm six feet tall for those of you listening in. I'm six yeah. feet, okay. It's real tall snow. And I put like all these bottles of champagne, the really good Andre stuff in the snow and all the friends get there. And then we're like, we, we didn't wear our rings or anything. And then right when everybody finally got there, I was like, okay, you guys, let's do a toast. Happy birthday. Quentin's finally 30, you know, cause I'm a wee bit older than him. And he, um, we're all toasting and he's like, oh wait, and this isn't just my birthday. And all my friends are like, oh my God, he's going to propose. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he goes, this is also our wedding reception. And everyone was like, 
what? And we grabbed our rings, threw them on our fingers, and we're like, we got married in Vegas. And like, everybody was screaming and crying, couldn't believe it. And it was crazy. And my parents had sent us a cake. And so we had cake and celebrated and it was great. This is, so no, I did not know any of this about you, but as you guys are listening, the Fundamentalism Podcast listeners, uh, thank you for your support up top. (laughs) Um, You may have noticed a theme in all the stories that Lauren is telling and maybe uh, becoming brutally aware of why she was invited to be on said Fundamentalism Podcast. Everything that she's done uh, on this podcast thus far in terms of the story seems to be on a whim. So you moved to Minnesota on a whim. Uh, Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) You you all of a sudden are a spring break planner on a whim. Uh, You teach yourself graphic design on a whim and you move to Chicago on a whim. You get married on a whim. Paul, this is like a therapy session for me. Yes. What are you learning? What am I learning about myself? (laughs) Uh, That you're pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) So... You know, the reason why I want to call that out to those of you guys listening is because sometimes I think we overthink stuff, right? And you convince yourself that, you know, you're not capable of having fun or you have to think things through and you have to, it pays to plan. I'm not saying don't, don't have a strategy, yeah. right? right? But what I am saying is sometimes, you know, that paralysis by analysis can set in and you might be missing out on opportunities because you're weighing so heavily all the possible outcomes. I don't know about Lauren. I can't speak for her and her happiness, but man, I could tell you I'm a whole lot happier with her around and she seems to be pretty damn happy. So fast forward, you're married. You mm-hmm. are. You decide to move to Kansas City. Now, why did that come about from well, Minnesota? Quentin is actually also from Missouri. So, and I grew up in Missouri. Excuse me, I think it's Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, we wash our clothes in Missouri. And I was talking, when we first met, I was like, oh, that's cool. He's from Missouri. And um, so when, after we got engaged or got married, he's like, and I do want to move back to Minnesota or Kansas Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City. And I was like, that's fine. I mean, I guess if we're going to have kids, I do want to be around my mom. So literally got married in February and moved back to Kansas City in May. And then we've been here ever since. But when we moved back, we were looking for houses. And of course, I grew up in Brookside. So I come back here and I'm like, I will never live anywhere but Brookside and I might go to Prairie Village. Well, here I am in Lenexa. And I remember when our realtor, we'd found a couple houses. She brought us out. She's like, okay, I have one more for you to look out. It's a little farther west than you want to be. And I was like, how far west? And she said, Lenexa. And I said, ew. I knew nothing about Lenexa. I knew, ew. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I walk into this house and the second I open the front door, it was like, it spoke to me. Like kind of like Moana, like it calls me. No. <laughs> I was like, I got it. I have to have this house. So um, we put the offer down and here we are. Eight, nine years later, here we are. Now, interestingly enough, Quentin told me a story uh, a couple of weeks ago about how you guys love the house, but you weren't sold on the neighborhood for the first years. Yes. And after we had our first child, I was kind of like, you know what? There's a lot of elderly around us. Not a lot of friends here. Jeez. You I'm just dropped the E-bomb. Like, elderly. <laughs> I'm elderly now. Hey, just so you know, guys, we, we accept any and all takers. Yes, uh, we do. But I, they didn't have children my children's age. They had True. children my age. I mean, but my neighbor is an elder. And oh, I, I love my elderly neighbors. That's <laughs> the thing. I love my elderlies, these two. And and I've got a little little one coming in here behind me to talk. Who is it? Um, is it Otto or May? 
Want to come say hi? What's up, Toot? Anyway, so I thought, you know what? Before May goes to kindergarten, we are going to move to Prairie Village because that's where I had to be. And I'm not kidding. I went to the park in February. It happened to be a nice day in February. I took both kids to the park and there were the long kids and the Brody kids. And I thought, huh, I wonder where these guys live. And I was like, ask their moms, you know, hi moms in your cute athleisure. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you guys live in the neighborhood? And they're like, oh yeah, we're on whatever and whatever. And I'm like, wait, what? And turns out one lived there and one lived there. And I was like, this is all I ever wanted. Take that for sale sign out in the yard, Quentin. We're staying. It wasn't, it wasn't for sale though. <laughs> so sure enough, it's like dating though. You know, you meet new friends and you're like, hi. And I, I remember Facebook messaging both Melissa and Kelly kind of being like, hi guys, remember me from the park? Do you guys want to play? You know, it was so awkward. And then finally we did it all. And here we, here we are now. Well, the fun part about all of that is that uh, I am not a planner. As you know, Melissa very much is a planner. You are a socialite. Uh, You thrive in the energy of others. I would say like you get energy from being around other people. So I want to talk about that as it relates to Laurentine. Can you hear this? There's Lincoln logs being sifted through, like right here. I love, I love that you even, first of all, have Lincoln logs. I know. And so second cool. of all, that he plays with them. Because uh, Brennan and Adeline have a million toys. I mean, let's be honest. They're spoiled. Um, but they never play with anything. It's like YouTube has, has overcome every toy that we could ever buy. Mm-hmm. And Christmas has almost gotten to be... It, it's a wonderful experience and like joy is there for all of, you know, the day. And then a week later, they're not playing with the toys anymore, but your kids are always playing with toys. Lego specifically auto. Mm-hmm. That loves, kid knows how to entertain them. Loves Legos. Yeah. So Laurentine happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're, mm-hmm. you're an individual that, you know, we're being protective. We're taking precautions but like, I would say that the Langfits are in our little bubble. Like, mm-hmm. so we have been blessed to, to be able to hang out with people that give us strength through this time. How has your work changed? And how has your own like mental health uh, been impacted from not having as much interaction with others? Because I know that you're somewhat like me and that we love that social mm-hmm. interaction. I think without our bubble, it would have been a lot harder. It would be very hard. Because my work is super social and fun also. I love the people I work with. And um, we have, you know, Zoom meetings every day, all day and things like that. But it's just not the same. And some, I did a couple, you know, Zoom happy hours at night. But then when I finally got to actually extend the safety, safety net to the Colony Woods bubble, then I was like, oh, I don't really need those Zoom happy hours anymore. I'm good. You know, because it's like, if I can get real people interaction, then that's what I'm going to go for. But I'm, I'm trying to take the good from this as far as being home with my kids. They'll never get a summer home like this ever. I've always been a full-time working mom and they go to summer camp. They go to school year round summer camp. And this is the first time they're just, they just play outside all day long. I set my office up. I can see out these picture windows and that's all they do all day long. And they just play in the driveway and it's awesome. So it, it, that's, what's been really great. And, and I'm also seeing, you know, we are capable of doing things from home and remotely mm. and with a solid team and people are accountable. My work's super huge on accountability. And I think everybody's really stepped up. So. Would you say they're hu- hu- huge? Huge. Hu- what part huge. is huge? 
Huge. Accountability? <laughs> Accountability buddies? Yeah. Accountability buddy? But it's, it's got to be your bowl. Your, so this takes us into this like space of your work, which is mm-hmm. extremely fascinating to me because as you know, I like to dabble in the video. Mm, yes, you <laughs> um, do. And I had no freaking clue what you did until I got a random call. Hey, Paul, can you come to a, could you come to a tryout? I'd like to introduce you to some folks. Audition. Oh, well. an audition. Sorry. I didn't have the stash at the time, but I'll tell you what, I walked in that place and I freaking owned the space. I mean, I, I owned the space. Um, as I recall it, you were putting together a uh, YouTube series for um, an online cooking show or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was pork products. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Look yes. at the memory on this. I guy. definitely smell pork product of some sort. Name that movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I smell pork product of, uh, I don't know. Wayne's World. Boom. Oh, camera one, camera two, camera one, camera two. All right. Five, four. I didn't, I didn't say it. <laughs> So supposed to. what on. the hell do you do is, is really the bigger question that I want to talk about. And okay. then we'll get into this quote unquote audition. Okay. Um, well, okay. as a producer, okay. 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 all right. Okay. As a producer, the job is to basically take the concept that has been created from our creative team usually consists of a writer and art director and a creative director. And then I take that and I go find all the pieces to put it together. So, um, <clears throat> We had found the production company that was going to shoot it. We were planning on using multiple cameras. We had found the two people that were um, not, I wouldn't say, oh, the social influencers for the pork brand, that they were willing to come on this cooking show. And it was going to be a mass, uh, mystery basket challenge where we were going to give them a basket of mystery goods and they would have to pick one of three baskets. And then they'd have to cook a recipe on the spot with those ingredients. I was looking for a um, host to host these individuals. A master of shenanigans, shenanskis. Right. And I needed someone who could keep the story going, keep them engaged, keep chatting. That's why I thought of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm honored. And um, we all ultimately went with another candidate. <laughs> Because she had more food knowledge. She, I don't she need herself because, is a food listen, blogger. This was a turning point in my life. Okay. Because this is when I stopped relying on everybody else to create my outcomes. And I yeah. decided, Paul, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people, people like, like you. you. So do. all of a sudden, I'm a producer. All of a sudden, I'm yes. doing video content. Yes. I never have to get rejected in an audition if I'm doing my own video content. It was your first audition. You're not going to make it everyone. You don't, know. you don't know me. Don't Every day have- is an audition with you, Paul. <laughs> uh, I'm saying all this jokingly. That was a tremendous <laughs> opportunity. It was the first opportunity that I had to obviously visit your office and learn more about what you did. And since then, I've been fascinated. So you have obviously produced a lot of uh, various content uh, mm-hmm. from an advertising perspective. Where, what's, your, what's your bread and butter? Are you like primarily commercials, like shorts? What, what, what is it specifically? Uh, this that- firm does a lot of photography, um, a lot of video content for online. Um, a lot of, you know, we have an in-house motion designer who's fabulous and he does, we can do motion pieces. Um, but we also go, we have our in-house two videographers and editors. 
Um, but we also, depending on the size of the project, will go outside of the building with various production companies to do stuff, depending on the size of it. Mm. Um, and then there's lots of writers and art directors and designers and the leadership is just the best I've ever worked for. It's just a really amazing company. So that that's the vibe that I get every time you talk about your work is like, mm-hmm. I rarely ever hear you say anything negative about it, which is obviously a space that a lot of people aspire to be or desire to be. Mm-hmm. What is one of your favorite projects that you've ever been a part of as a producer? I would say the one that stands out the most, that was the craziest, most fun ever was at a previous agency. It was a McDonald's shoot and the client said, here's no money. I want you to give us this, tell us a story about how to produce uh, or how to show the filet of fish is a sustainable product with no money. Mm. And so my creative teams came up with these crazy ideas. And I was like, this is never going to fly for this no money that we have. Well, sure enough, they go to the, they go out to present to the client in Chicago. And the idea was, what if we found someone in the middle of America, the farthest place from any ocean, took that person to Alaska to fish for the Pollock that McDonald's puts on their sandwiches. And I was like, this is amazing. We'll never afford it. (laughs) So sure enough, they go to um, McDonald's, present this idea. The guy, whoever this Mr. Filet was like fist pumping in the air was like, yes, yes whatever it takes, you were doing this. And so they gave us, their, my boss comes back and she's like, well, whatever it is, we're doing it. And so I was the biggest naysayer at first. And I thought, you know what? If she says we're doing it, then I'm doing it. And I became number one fan of how am I going to get this thing done? So I got contact information from the, um, the Trident Seafoods, like the main, because Trident Seafood is the sole provider of tilapia, or no, not tilapia, cotton, Cod, whatever, whatever the fish is in that flavor. I should well, this. and just for clarity purposes, for those of you that don't know Trident, it is what Aquaman actually carries with him in the ocean. Ah, yes, that's probably what they named their corporation after was Aquaman's Trident and King Triton had a Trident. <laughs> oh, and I love Trident gum. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to Trident seafoods. So I got hooked up with the some the whoever this Trident lady is, and she basically said get yourselves to Seattle. We'll handle the rest. We have room for seven people on this plane that will take us to Kodiak, Alaska. And I thought, okay, well now how are we going to find this guy? So the creative director that had come up with this spot, he was looking at the map, trying to find, okay, what town are we going to find this guy in, this person? And the farthest place from like this ocean and that ocean was somewhere in South Dakota. And like this far away, on the map was a town called Pollock. That's what the fish is called that's Whoa. on the sandwich. It's a Pollock, wild Pollock. So we were like, oh my God. The universe is What? Yes. So we vetted out a bunch of production companies. That's one of my favorite parts of the job too is, is finding the, the right director and production company to do this. Ended up with this um, lady, Amy Nichols, Amy Nicholson. She's a director out of New York. And she had done, a, we needed someone who could do find the comedy out of a reality show. So she had the people to do it and we ended up awarding her the job. She sent a casting scout to Pollock, South Dakota, population 207. And he interviewed everyone in town on camera, told him he was there to make a video. 
and interviewed all these people. We ended up choosing someone just from these, you know, videos from Pollock, booked this guy Davis. And then all of us from LA, New York, Kansas City, go to, flew into Pollock, or we flew into uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, drove to Pollock, and ended up shooting this guy in his little town. And we ate Marlene's meatloaf on Monday night. And there was not one green vegetable in that town. Like there had maybe iceberg lettuce. So anyway, we filmed him, drove back to Bismarck to film the M part of him eating the sandwich. And then from Bismarck, we flew to Seattle. Trident Seafoods picked us up, drove us in big black SUVs to the private, uh, like corporate air, air, airport. We got on a G6 oh. with gold. They had gold seat belts, golden. <laughs> they were gold. And then we flew to, to uh, Kodak, Kodak's, Kodak, Kodiak, Kodak. Wait, is it Kodiak? Oh my God, I'm forgetting it all. Um, Alaska. I remembered quite a bit of it. I'm we landed in Alaska, <laughs> okay. toured this ship. He got on this boat, went to bed, woke up, set sail at 2 a.m., and trawled on the Gulf of Alaska for 16 hours to get the sunset. And we caught 330 pounds, no, 330,000 pounds of Pollock. Reeled it all back in, filmed all of this. We had the guy from South Dakota reeling it in in this like orange jumpsuit. And then we flew back home, flew back to Seattle, flew back home. It was the craziest, most amazing experience ever. So the two questions that come to my immediate mind, so first of all, phenomenal story. My favorite part was the fact that the middle, the middle of the two oceans was Pollock, which is yes. what you're fishing for. Fate. The universe is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, uh, how many fish did you take off the hook? Zero? Is that what I heard? Mm, yeah, no. no. <laughs> okay. No, uh, no. And then what do you think Davis is doing right now? Um, I think he became pretty big. Um, he was written up in a few newspapers and local, you know, papers. For sure. And I made a behind the scenes video of the whole trip. You'll have to check it out at Lauren Langfit at squarespace.com. <laughs> and, um, I, <laughs> and I, we had to book him again to do a radio okay. spot. Okay. And so I had to meet him. I had to fly back to North Dakota and meet him at some random little audio studio to record his radio spots, because the whole thing is about this guy, Davis, who's, you know, from Pollock, but he doesn't know what a Pollock is. So I think he, you know, had his 15 minutes of fame. Heck yeah. Maybe moved well, to LA. I don't know. Could have, you know, he, he took that vibe that you gave, that confidence that you mm-hmm. instilled, the opposite of what you gave me when I auditioned, like mm. he, you instilled in him. We're still sitting on that. I thought we were over that. Oh, sorry. I thought we were moving on from that. <laughs> So long as I have this mustache, I'll never move on from it. You're special. You Uh, are special. So side note, I actually did uh, an event for the Bismarck Mandane Chamber of Commerce. Uh, So I got to speak to uh, a lot of their, a thousand people. It was the coolest setup. It was like on a stage. They had like a movie theme, like a theater theme. Guess who the movie star was? Davis. Davis. (laughs) Nailed it. So Lauren, I'm trying to, um, one of the things that I haven't done a great job of uh, in episodes past uh, was really provide tactical ways and things that people could have more fun, joy, and fulfillment in their life. You know, the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of fun Mm -hmm. and optimistic lifestyle, aka fundamism. 
And this is something that you do very, 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 very well. Like you are constantly doing things that some would perceive to be fun, but most importantly, you perceive to be fun because if your mind ain't right, then the people that are around you are most likely going to be impacted. So uh, a lot of things that you do, one of which has really stuck out to me as a, a, a connection point for our community, our little Colony Woods bubble. This was pre-COVID, but I had never heard of this an idea, and I, I'm certain that you didn't come up with it, but you helped facilitate it, a progressive dinner. Mm. So tell us about this progressive dinner concept. What does it look like, and how could people do it themselves? So first to clarify, we are not a bunch of swingers for the listeners out there. <laughs> Everyone sticks to their own partner. Okay? Allegedly. <laughs> Yet. Uh, uh, and so my mom used to do this as when she was a young adult, young, thriving. An elder. She's 30 something. She's elder. elderly now. <laughs> she's, and she said that what they would do is at one house, one house would make an appetizer. Then you would all travel to the next house and they'd do a you know, salad. And then you travel to the next house, they do the main course and you travel to the next house and they do a dessert. And it was a real fun thing. And I always wanted to do that if I lived near a bunch of friends. And so the, the mom friends and I, mom friends, mom friends were cool moms. We were talking about this and we're like, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. So first we were thinking, okay, how, what order should we go looking at the map? And then we thought, wait a minute, that's not going to be very fun for one person to just do a wonton and the other person to make a prime rib like that's not fair the prime rib person's not going to enjoy any of it so we decided and we'd make it kind of our own little thing where each house would have a signature cocktail and appetizer so we would spend an hour at each house get our drink on get our food on and then we'd walk to the next one and we've done it now three times uh-huh. yeah we had our third annual just last january yeah. Is it january yeah yeah so fun that was pre-COVID, obviously. Yeah. So this is probably something that you don't want to institute until uh, we're in the clear or things yeah. get a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. You can but do it outside tremendous- with your bubble. Yes. Yes. The, the bubble. Mm-hmm. The bubble. And you got to send kids away for the night. True. Or if you have to have a babysitter, start at that house first so they're not in the house when you're having... <laughs> we did, we've done that. Yes. What's interesting about this whole phenomenon is... We lived in three different neighborhoods prior to Colony Woods. And I honestly can say, Lauren, I, I don't even know one neighbor's name. Like I could not recite a name of an individual that I met in any of the other neighborhoods that I lived in. Um, and I bet you there's a lot of people listening that could relate to that. Like that we stay in our own little, mm-hmm. our own little bubble or whatever it may be. And you may know your immediate neighbor, but you don't know people around. And this has been just completely different in Colony Woods. And Mm -hmm. so with the coordination of events like these, it makes it a lot more comfortable, right? The progressive dinner, which was absolutely amazing. And it's cool because, you know, the women get to, and and not to pigeonhole anybody, the men can cook. Quentin is phenomenal at grilling and stuff like that. But typically Mm -hmm. you guys have been taking the lead. Oh, no. I'm the the cook and the griller. I didn't want to. I do it. I do it. I'm the cook. Okay, sorry. But completely possible that they're. I'm, the cook. <laughs> I'm sorry, I blew up. But nevertheless, here's my point: the women get together and they're talking about the meals and the drinks, and they're cutting up and having a great time. And the dudes are boozing it up, and we're talking about sports and laughing, and and then you know we're sharing couple stories, and it's just an amazing way to get to know each other in a really safe space. 
So that happens. Well, then, you know, we don't just do the progressive dinners because we have some really cool backyards. Like, and they're not enormous. Like you guys listening could do this. You invite three families over in your backyard and the kids play on the swing set and we sit on the deck and we have an awesome time with some great music. Now it never fails that we say we're going to get together at 11 and (laughs) say, I reach out and I say, Hey, you guys, you guys, I'm looking forward to getting together. And it's typically to Quentin and Quentin doesn't respond. So then we reach out to you and you say, Oh, uh, Quentin is in the garage uh, building a hammock. Uh, tinkering with yes. something. Uh, Quentin is actually uh, rubbing two <laughs> sticks together out in the front yard, building a fire. Yeah, Quentin is known for uh, working with his hands, coming up with wonderful things like the piece of artwork behind you. That's one of his fundamentals. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? Like you consistently gravitate towards things that give you strength. Is that something? that you've acquired throughout your years or is it something that you've always done? Because a lot of people struggle doing that, Lauren. Well, I think once you find something you like to do, it, it, it's almost an addiction because you're like, Ooh, that was so much fun. I want to do that again. You know? Yeah. And I think that's a good, maybe a good way to look at it instead of, and not being afraid to try things within reason, within reason. when it comes to art. Yes. <laughs> and tinkering. Well, that brings us to the last, the last thing I want to ask you about as we start to close up our time together. But we've only just begun to live. <laughs> you just said um, something to the extent of, you know, be willing to try things. And as evidenced by your interaction on the podcast today, like you will immediately break out into character or say something off the wall or... <laughs> come out of left field with something that just hits you in the jawbone, like a movie quote. Did it take you a while to embrace like your authentic self and feel comfortable doing shit like that? Or have you always been this way? I think this is just me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, close the computer. This is it. This is, this is, that's the power close. (laughs) I mean, thus far, and uh, I'll, I'll drop a couple more episodes before this one drops. But thus far, we've had 91 episodes. Wow. And I will say, outside of maybe Chris Porter, who's a professional comedian, um, I've, I've long gravitated towards humor as like a love language. Like that's how I track my own personal success, which is stupid because, you know, everybody, everybody processes in a different way. And so... While I appreciate humor, some might appreciate uh, a more touching heart scope or heartscape or emotional connection, whatever it may be. So anyway, my point is I get done with the podcast and I'm like, man, we didn't laugh enough. Like, Mm. I feel like I failed. I feel like I didn't do a good job. Same thing goes for a keynote. So in 91 episodes now, um, you, outside of Chris, are one of the only individuals that would just break out into character and literally take us down a fun rabbit hole. So to that, I thank you, and I don't know, I don't know what I could do to help create that comfort amongst other people. Maybe to your point, it's just something that comes innately, and and we have it or we don't have it. But I appreciate you being willing to reveal all your words, revealing all my personalities. Yes, all <laughs> of your personalities. <laughs> I think too. I have a lot of friends that are 
just goofballs and we almost have our own language, some of us. Yes. And who knows? I don't know. I just break out of this Southern accent sometimes and I don't know where she comes from. But I get the story across better when she does talk. Well, I think the thing that I struggle with is like, for those of you listening or that have been a previous guest, this isn't a bad thing. I feel as though it's an environment that I'm creating because I take a professional approach to all these questions in mental health that I don't necessarily do a great job establishing a baseline of comfort in that anything that you want to say goes. And you're an individual that I feel like I've never had to tell that to um, because you've always been that way. And also, side note, we have a level of comfort with each other and that we know our personalities and know who we are. Uh, whereas a lot of guests that I have are more so like first time, second time, fifth time interactions. So anyway, any parting words of wisdom? If anybody wants to get to know Lauren Langfit or the oh, wow. agency with, with whom she works, where do we go? I work at Signal Theory. It's an agency in Westport. Westport is a small little bubble in Kansas City, Missouri. Very cultural, delicious food. Great little place. Have you ever had a Westport flea market burger? Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. Back when, the, uh, back when the Royals were winning the pennant, <laughs> we would go there and we'd eat the 1985 burgers. You had to pay cash and they cost the same amount they did in 1985. <laughs> delish. <laughs> delish. Delish, delish. Oh my gosh. What's um, your Instagram account? <laughs> Because, I am. listen, before you, before you deliver the answer, oh, right. guys, you have to follow old Laddie Langfit because her story game is on point. I mean, oh, I don't know IG, but I know a solid IG when I see it. And yours looks like it's produced by a producer. Producer. Oh, that is so sweet. That is, those are kind words. <laughs> Um, I have a lot of very interesting characters on my stories. Yes. Mostly just things that I find around the house. I have a Roomba, a very good relationship with my Roomba. What's its name? Rosie. Rosie. But she's been actually taking a little hiatus during this Laurentine because she's too damn loud when I'm trying to do my work. I heard that. Yeah. Literally. Um, good. That was a play of sound. You, you heard that because you heard Rosie. I should have run her the whole podcast. Yes. That would have been really good. And also you got that big, large Barbie doll. Yep, I do. She, oh, she happens to be right here. This is hey, Elsa. Repo. What's this? <laughs> What's her name? Oh, at least she has her clothes on this time. You never know with this one. <laughs> her name's, it was Elsa, but she's had some personality issues over the years. I get it. She's fine. She's a good one. Well, listen, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you very much for coming on to the Fundamism Podcast, delivering what you do for fun, some tactical tips that you, as the listener, could take away from today's episode. A, don't be too scared to be yourself. Take risks, try new things, bust out some movie quotes, impressions, have a little bit of fun. Uh, B, progressive dinners. Mm. Try to get to know your neighbors a little bit. Guys, I can honestly Let them bring absinthe. Oh, yes. True story. That happened once. I wasn't there. I was out of town, but I heard things. You might have been there. We don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Nevertheless, maybe just maybe you might find a super awesome friend in your neighborhood if you take the time to uh, kind of get into it and see who lives there. So Laddie Langfit, as we call her on uh, the gram, the IG, uh, thank, you. thank you very much. We appreciate you being on, sister. I'll thank see you for you having me. Lila. Thank you.
To the Fundamental Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate your support. As always, go have some fun today and create some fun in the lives of others. Until we see you on the flip side, deuces! Deuces!